Welcome to Horrible Friends. It's a podcast about horror movies in book club format. This week we have Friday the 13th, the original OG from 1980 something. 1980 zero. Hey, yep, just I was right. It's somewhere in the 1980. Uh, starting off, I'm Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And this week, uh, just like every week, uh, we're going to go ahead and just talk a little about the history. We're going to go through the plot. We're going to go through some cinematography, special effects, music, maybe. Uh, yeah, music probably on this one. And then, yeah, I'll give you a little bit of a spoopy meter. Starting off, Dan, do you happen to know? By the way, we're recording this on Friday the 13th. Which one? Woo-hoo! We'll never tell. But what well, great timing, guys. Anyway. Dan, do you have the history of Friday the 13th? Yeah, so Friday the 13th, the original, the OG uh, that came out on the 13th of Friday on a May uh, in 1980. Uh, The director of this, I believe it was May. I think it was May. May, like, 13th in 1980, I believe. Do you think Uh they waited for a... Friday the 13th to release this movie? Is that a genuine question? It is a genuine question because do you think I it, absolutely it would have been like done? Waited. You know yes. what? That would make sense because that's the name <laughs> of the movie. Yes. See, I I would have liked it better if you had asked the question of do you think they only recorded on Friday the 13th? Because that's a much more intense question. Wow. What, what an intense shoot at that point. We have 24 hours. Get in, get out. Now let's all meet again in six months. Yeah, what is the frequency of Friday the 13th? That's a good question. I have no idea. Six months almost sounds right. Almost sounds like a math problem. <clears throat> you know what, nerds? I was wrong. Uh, it was released on May. <laughs> it, was, it was released on May 9th of 1980. I thought I read that it was released on the 13th. Though. That's so dumb. Why wouldn't they? Because uh, it was probably like a Tuesday at that point, right? Because it's 1980 and marketing is just dumb. They're just like, <laughs> fuck it, send it. All right, I'm doing a line of Coke and I'm sending it out, guys. All right, just do it. Do it, quick, uh, do it, do it now, do it now. Frequency of Friday the 13th on a Google, once every 212.35 days. Yep, that's what I just average. Mm-hmm. Uh. I feel like that might come into play later, but cool. Yeah, no. Mm. Uh, boys, you know, this is a big deal. Like, we're standing in front of greatness. I mean, Jason Voorhees is on, like, the Mount Rushmore of horror flicks, right? Like, this is, like... I don't know about the original slasher flick, but like definitely the most popular. So I'm excited we're finally doing this. I'm just going to poke myself in now, too, and say like the funny thing about the original was it wasn't even Jason Voorhees. It was uh, Mrs. Voorhees that was the killer of this whole movie. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But uh, Black Christmas was a better movie. Huh. Yes. I think I agree. Yeah. No, same. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that's all i had i just wanted to poke too everybody was poking i just wanted to poke. so the director of this is sean s cunningham uh who's most known for uh his producing work he helped he actually worked a lot with um uh who, whoever did uh last house on the left he, he did a lot of producing work with them 
Um, I, I can't remember for some reason. But, um, yeah, pr- mostly he's known for um, three of his works are Freddy vs. Jason. He's done a lot of work with the uh, Jason Voorhees franchise, Friday the 13th. I worked on Last House on the Left and My Boyfriend's Back. The writers for this, we have Victor Miller, who is known for All My Children, of course. Friday vs. Jason, and uh, many other different Friday the 13th projects. And an uncredited writer for this is Ron Kurz, who also worked on a bunch of different Friday the 13th projects, primarily. And just also with the history of this movie, uh, the special effects and makeup was done by Tom Savini, who's an icon in his own right when it comes to like the special effects and the makeup effects of horror movies. He's worked on movies like Machete and Night of the Living Dead and Planet Terror. And if it was like an iconic movie, like horror style movie, you could he's pretty much attached in some way. And he was only 26 when he did the effects work for this movie. All right. So the budget for this is $550,000. But the box office, my goodness, what a lot of money. Made $59.8 million. Holy shit. That's a lot of money. I think that's a profit. I wonder how much money like the actual like actors and actresses of the movie uh, actually saw because if you look at their IMDb's, uh, the the vast majority of all the actors in this film did not do a lot more after this film. I can tell you exactly how much the actress who played Pamela Voorhees made. Please do. <laughs> she made ten thousand dollars. Are you shitting me? Because I watched the behind uh, behind the scenes thing where she mentioned that she had no interest in doing it, and she went on record saying that, like the script was just shit. But her agent called her the same week her car broke down and said, the movie pays $10,000, which is exactly how much it costs for this new car you want. She's like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> so she, which, she uh, did the movie just to, so she could buy a car. Dude, which easy choice. Worth, uh, worth $33,000 today. That's a Tesla. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you sure you do the damn thing, girl. Well, she wasn't even in it that much. She was just basically in the third act. Yeah, she, she uh, showed up in like the last 10 days of filming. Because I'm pretty sure, like the final scene uh, with her and Alice, they shot over I think like two or three nights. So other 1980s horror movies, man, there were some good ones. Um, actually, Chris and I were just Chris and I saw each other today, the day of this recording. I mean, maybe we'll see each other on the day that this comes out. I doubt it, but maybe you never um, know. So yeah, you never know. Uh, but we saw each other on the day of this recording, and uh, we were just talking about like really good. Our movies they came out in 1980 so some of those movies are uh the shining prom night and the fog i can't never mind nope go, okay. go ahead great you said it <laughs> okay. you said it you okay, have you're... to talk about it the shining a prequel to <laughs> dr sleep <laughs> see that's why i didn't want to do it i, I didn't want to do it but you, you made me do it <laughs> did make him do it dan continue <laughs> so taglines for this movie we have <laughs> we have a bunch um i'll let you decide which ones are real ones or not on friday the 13th they began to die horribly one by one 
Yes. That that is what happened, yes. Okay. Yep. Um Lucky 13. That is not real. I think not. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha with the I think not. Um <laughs> did that make it a good tagline though? No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but it's believable in 1980s uh marketing, so yeah. If you think it means bad luck, you don't know the half of it. Sorry, all that was in caps, so I had to yell at okay. oh, was that was that another tagline? Yeah. That's uh, not good at all. How about kill, kill, kill? I mean That's not real. That's I not would, real. No, I would say that's the best of the bunch so far because that's half of like the iconic Jason like Sound effect when you you know he's stalking you. So I would mm-hmm. say that's the, that's the top of the list so far. I, I like this one. It's so stupid. Don't make plans for Sunday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about Saturday? Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> 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 I, I mean. Don't make plans for Sunday because I want to go to the farmer's market and get some <laughs> radishes. Yo, radishes are the bomb, though. Come on. They're very good. How about you'll wish it were only a nightmare? I thought you were going to say you'd wish it was only the 12th. You wish <laughs> it's only a radish. <laughs> How about Fridays will never be the same again? That's a fucking lie. <laughs> Sponsored no, by you made that one. You said you said we had to pick which ones are made up. You said which <laughs> ones are real. That one is fake. How about a twenty-four hour nightmare of terror? How big of a poster do they think they have? How many posters did they make for this? Well, they were warned. They are doomed. And on Friday the 13th, nothing will save them. I think that's the only one that I recognize at this point. How about... Here's here's my last one. Okay. You you may only see it once, but that will be enough. What the fuck are they talking about? What does that mean? (laughs) That's like a Snapchat of my penis. Yeah, is that a sex thing? <laughs> you may only see it once, but that will be enough. <laughs> Are you Bellathor from the General Goods Store? <laughs> Everything's for sale. You may only see it once, but <laughs> that'll be enough. That'll be enough. <laughs> All right, let's move on from these fucking taglines. Uh, they're never good. But I always enjoy reading them to you guys to hear your reactions. Uh, So our filming location for this, uh, you'll be happy to know, this all took place in New Jersey. Fucking Jersey, baby. You can take the fetus out of Jersey, but you can't take Jersey out of the fetus. That's right. With the Gabagool, we had some Gabagool. We went to the Blairstown. We went to the Freehold. We went to Hope. We went to Hardwick Township. And uh, for the camp, we went to Camp Novobosco, and mm-hmm. that's it. That's where it was filmed. The bad news is, is if you survive Jason at Camp Crystal Lake, 
you're going to meet me in the club and get knocked the fuck out anyway. So maybe <laughs> the fuck out and bring it and bring your girlfriend. I, I went to the, uh, the diner in Blairstown a couple years ago. They was it a good diner? Uh, yeah, it was good. It's uh, very small. Was there a crazy uh, guy there telling you that you're doomed and you're going to die? And it's his death curse? The wrong kid no. died. The wrong kid, wrong kid died. died. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is the, is this the one in the in the town from the beginning? That's yes. Blairstown, New Jersey. Yes. Yeah. Now, do oh, they okay. advertise that they're the diner from Friday the Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They. I mean, not not overtly so in in like the the outside uh, advertising, but on the inside they sell T-shirts. All the people who are where who are working there have like uh, the the mask and every or not mask, but yeah, mask. Yeah. Now, do they have like named dishes after Friday the Thirteenth? You know, I don't remember that. I they might have like one or two. Um, what about like a Friday the Thirteenth egg omelet? That'd be <laughs> that's pretty a good. big ass. Omelet. That's a big ass omelet. Yeah, that's probably why they don't do it. <laughs> yeah, literally, their website uh, created in uh, nineteen ninety eight uh, says that they were featured on Friday the Thirteenth. Um. They have a crock of French onion soup. Is that something? The crock is just like that ceramic bowl. I mean, I know about soups as we've learned. Okay, so they, they do have... Yeah, this man J- loves soup. <laughs> they have Jason's potato slicers as a food. I like that. It's probably just like diced up potatoes. Jason's uh-huh. potato slicer. What if they did like you- pancakes in the shape of hockey masks? Ooh, uh, you can that get the cool. potato slicers with cheese or with cheese and bacon as well. Um, Kevin we Bacon? do cheese and bacon. Oh, the Kevin Bacon and oh. Eggs. Oh. The Kevin Bacon <laughs> and Eggs. Yes. All right, I'm, I'm going to finish this. So Let's we go ahead and finish the... it. <laughs> All right, so our death clock this week comes in at 4 minutes and 37 seconds. It's when the guy gets up after canoodling with... The girl at the camp, as they run away from singing their Christian songs, and he's like, huh, "We weren't doing anything up here," and then he gets stabbed. Uh, and that's that, that's our death clock for this week. Uh, but with that, I'm I'm gonna pass it over to Chris. Do it. Uh, all right, I will. Damn. Uh, so yeah, uh, the movie begins in the year 1958 at Camp Crystal Lake, and as Dan said. Uh, our immediate death clock, damn near. Our counselors, uh, Barry and Claudette, are singing and playing the guitar for a bunch of the campers, and they're singing Kumbaya, and it's just so goddamn annoying. Dude, nothing wets the short shorts harder than a little Kumbaya around the fireplace, <laughs> am I right? Actually, one th- my wife looks... Oh, go for it. I was just my the one funny thing I noticed about it is that the music, like the guitar is still playing even after like he's kind of started to put it down. Like his hand is no longer anywhere <laughs> yeah. near the strings and the music's still playing. And I was just like, mm, uh-oh, <laughs> audio mess up. My my wife like kind of half pays attention every now Me? and then. Like Who? While, while I'm watching a movie. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> she, no, she, she I, if she does decide to watch these movies with me, she'll like half pay attention. But for this one, she just like stuck her head up from like you know just scrolling on her phone and she was like wait are they gonna go fuck weren't they just singing about jesus and just goes back to looking (laughs) (laughs) so after uh they're done singing kumbaya they send the rest of the campers off to bed and 
as every horror movie has shown us, which believe this one to be the first one, if you're two horny camp counselors that uh, decide to go have sex, you're going to get murdered. Pregnant! Fuck, sorry. <laughs> yeah, murdered. Get murdered. Um, and I, I did like this because it is kind of like... Um, like Halloween, where the first kill of Halloween is from uh, Michael's perspective, and we just see it as the killer's perspective, and that's how this is, where uh, <laughs> Stan said they get up, and Barry's like, oh, we weren't doing nothing, and then it's just they're both stabbed, and they're dead. I hated this one, man. I thought it was lame. It, like, it's out of frame. It was definitely lame, yeah. Definitely like, not final girl material. Like, she, <laughs> she backs into the boxes, and is like, Oh my god, no! Yes. Like throwing like tape at him and like <laughs> right, just <laughs> throwing pieces of paper, just <laughs> throwing pieces of paper. Yeah, and she clearly has a way to escape. Like it, it upset me very much. I was like, <laughs> you could just juke him to the right. He's very slow. Dude, like they're up there rolling around on each other over like the Christmas decorations box, like and like the photo album box. Like <laughs> that can't A, that can't be comfortable. And, and and B, yeah. Actually, I don't have B. <laughs> just that wasn't B's nuts. <laughs> well, sometimes you just need a place to do your thing. And for me, like the biggest takeaway from the beginning of the movie was like the iconic like ch ch ch. You just hear as you're watching from the killer's perspective, and that to me that was just like it really sets the tone for the movie that he's just going to be stalking these counselors this entire movie. Yeah. Um. But besides the fact that, you know, these kills were kind of like, meh, we then go to the blandest opening credits I've seen in quite a while. Like, yeah, the whole, like, Friday 13th part is pretty big. And then it's just black screen, white text of opening credits. And I was like, oh, they, they could add some flair to this a little bit. I mean, with the low budget this movie had, like, it wasn't going to be, let's just do elaborate credit sequences. It's like... This was the first in what would become an iconic franchise. And I don't think anybody had any kind of inkling at the time of what this would become. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. I didn't. But also, I mean, you just kill two people and then you just cut to very bland credits. If you did the credits first and then the kills, I would have been fine. Oh, dude, that glass break is amazing. The glass break is great, but everything past oh, that. Oh, so 80s. Loved it. Um, so after the credits, we jump to about 21 years later. It is now 1979, and it's Friday the 13th. Wait, Ooh. We, we, we go to the, that, what's the, Chris, what is the, the first girl's name that we meet? Uh, that is Annie. She is the most oblivious person I've ever seen in a movie. Absolutely. Like she, <laughs> don't 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 you be talking bad about Annie. Annie She's goes, like skipping down the street like la 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 and then she sees the dog and she's like, "Hello, Mr. Dog. Do you speak English?" Supposed to go. And I could just imagine an old lady in the diner across the street like walking with her husband like, "Marv, She's talking to the uh, dog. Annie Again. was my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> she just seemed like so like nice of a person. 
and she just wanted to do good things for people and help people. And yeah, she might have tried to talk to a dog and gotten in car with stranger, two strangers. One ended better than the other one, honestly. But she just seemed like she was such a nice person. And I wanted her to get to that camp and cook for those kids. You said one ended better than the other one. I'll tell you, one might have... Yeah, one ended better than the other, but one started better than the other. Did you notice that, like, facade of altruistic, like, ass-pushing? Oh, yeah. I told the first Dan guy? That. I, yeah, I told Dan that the other day. I'm like, did you notice how he just grabbed two full handfuls to just full push her into the truck? That old fucking pervert. Yeah, yeah I'll give you I'll give you a ride 10 miles up the road. Uh, <laughs> oh, help, let me help you here first. Uh, squeeze, 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 pinch, pinch, pinch. And we're good to go. Buckle up. Let's go. <laughs> so as, as these guys have said, Annie, a little bit oblivious, but she gets to this town and she walks into the diner and she asks if anyone can take her to Camp Crystal Lake, which everyone just stops what they're doing and just stares at her. <laughs> Did you say Camp Crystal Lake? <laughs> That's where all those kids got murdered. And this is where we get a crazy Ralph. Wrong kid died. <laughs> More or less, Ralph just goes on that it's just a it's a cursed camp, it's a death curse, and you're gonna die and you're doomed. And from Hansy truck driver uh, Enos. You know, it's just like, yeah, screw off Ralph. And he offers to at least take Annie half the way. Then he does the uh, squeeze, squeeze, pinch, pinch, helps her to the truck. And as he's driving her, he explains, this is like the only bit of information we get about Jason without actually being mentioned as Jason. He just mentions how uh, a young boy drowned at the camp back in 1957. And it seems like ever since then, just crazy, creepy, unexplained things have happened at the uh, camp. Like, like poisoned water, fire, stuff like that. Um, so after uh, she's dropped off, she walks for a bit, and then we see uh, a, a car pull up, but we don't see who's driving it. Um, she gets in the car, starts talking to the driver for a bit, and that's when we get, like, not the music that Mike mentioned, that the classic, like, Jason music is coming, but it is just, I, I don't know how to describe it, but um, it is just that kind of ominous music that you know that this is, the killer or that the killer is present and, and he immediately realizes this is not a, a car I want to be in. So she tucks and rolls right out of it, uh, goes to run into the woods and she gets caught and her throat slit. Dude, this whole sequence was the mo- Okay. So this, I, I sent you guys a clip earlier in a week and like of the scene from airplane where Ted strikers just like, having the conversation with people and they're just like killing themselves because they're just like, this is so boring. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I felt about Annie when she was in the car talking to the guy. She was like, I'm going to cook some food and then I think I'm going to help out some. And like, I was like, I would just love the, like the camera of the driver. Who's the killer in this perspective. Obviously you just see the camera turn and just roll out of the car. Just like tumble into the street. (laughs) Yeah. He tumbles instead. (laughs) You just hear her as the car keeps going. Where'd you go? (laughs) I don't know why you're hating on Annie so much. I could have sat in that car and listened to her talk about these kind of things all day. I don't know if we're just cause like, like I said before, she seemed so nice and genuine. Or just she had that like husky voice, like uh, Scarlett Johansson or a Kathleen Turner. It just 
I wanted to hear her talk all day. And then after that, she she reacts to the person driving the car by jumping out of the car. She's like, you won't stop? Well, I'm just going to jump out. Like, what a very rational decision, I guess. Just jump out of the moving car, even though they, they're not going to do much to you. You could always attack them or do something else. Like, I, I don't. I don't know. And then and then when it comes to her death scene, when she gets her throat slit, she breathes in. And I was like, hold on a second. You can't really breathe when you get your throat slit because that's the whole thing about it is that you're drowning in your own blood. Like That's the whole that's the whole no, no, thing. It, it, it opens it up so you get air faster. Oh, you don't have oh to go through the mouth. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's oxygen in the blood. Oh, naturally. OK, OK. Yeah. So th- this whole this whole thing was just like extr- I was just laughing the entire time because it was just so nonsensical. Like everything about it. Uh, fun fact: uh, that was actually her doing the tuck and roll out of the car. It wasn't like a stunt double or anything. That was actually her. Hey, good for her. Yeah, way to go. We're gonna pay you five dollars for this movie, and we need you to tuck and roll out of a moving car. What? Okay, action. Done. <laughs> Uh, so at this point, uh, we meet uh, the now owner of Camp Crystal Lake, uh, Steve Christie, and boy, I'm the- sorry. Can we can we refer to him as the mix between Weird Al Yankovic and uh, William H Macy? Uh, that is a little wordy. Um, it's a little bit longer to say than Steve. Can we just Weird refer to him? Macewich. I think we should refer to him as. Uh, Shirtless with cut-off jeans and an ascot. I was just going to call I, him Steve with jorts, or just jorts. I genuinely can't believe none of you guys saw Weird Al with that. But I was too busy okay. staring at those jorts. I love the jorts. <laughs> uh, so we meet uh, Steve, and then we meet the rest of the uh, camp counselors, Ned, Jack, Bill, Marcy, Brenda, and Alice. And uh, anyone else notice that Steve gets a little creepy with Alice? Every guy in this movie so far has been creepy. Like the guys in the diner were like, uh, all the counselors is good looking as you are. And then you get Steve or uh what what do we say it was uh half weird Al Yankovic and half William H. Macy with Jorts and an ascot. Yeah, that guy. He was like he was definitely in a relationship with that other counselor or they had something going on just the way they were talking to each other. Yeah. Although like he kind of like, like kind of caressed her cheek and she just had a look on her face of like, eh, I'm not a fan of that. They're just like, eh, I don't really care for that. And then he just walked away. Did feel a little strange. Have we met uh, Kevin Bacon and friends yet? Uh, no, I believe that's Jack is uh Kevin Bacon. Um, so I kind of did skip over this part, but anyone else? So them in the car driving there had the most just out of place music. And it's never heard again. Shut up, Ralph. We're trying to listen to banjo music with Kevin Bacon. Are we in New Jersey or Tennessee? <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, South right. Jersey. Is I was going to say South Jersey. It's pretty, you're pretty much there, yeah. <laughs> Except Locationally, this isn't South Jersey. This is North Jersey. The, the uh, Northwestern Jerseyans are kind of mountain folk as well, so I don't know. Yeah, fuck them. Once you get into Northwest Jersey, past all like the rich areas, you, or as you would call them, the Gabagool people, <laughs> you, get, 
No, they're just called the Gabagoolians. You get the ghoul Gabagoolians. people, the ghoul mountain people, uh, way out in northwest Jersey. So, did anyone feel like the scene where Kevin Bacon and Friends is introduced? That like they're coming straight from a three way, right? It, this the whole scene oh, felt very post three way. No, I completely agree. Like in the back during some banjo music. Actually, Kevin Bacon was probably playing the banjo during. Yeah, I could see that. It's weird that I can see that, but I can't see it. <laughs> no, it's not weird. Don't worry about it. Um, so at this point was I kind of I cut out a lot of stuff because I know this is mostly there, uh, basically cleaning up the camp and preparing it for all the campers to show up. Uh, you know, soon, not very immediate. Um, you know, they they mess around like the archery range. They're down at the water or you know the lake. Uh, nothing really interesting happens. Ned pretends to drown like in the sandlot so he can get someone to give him mouth to mouth. Oh, that is right. Uh, that was a little odd and creepy. And then somebody... I literally said he pulled a sandlot and then I went, wait. And I had to Google when sandlot came out. Okay. And I realized <laughs> sandlot pulled a Friday the 13th. Did you think Sandlot was like 70s? I mean, it's, no, like, set, it's I, like set in the 70s. Yeah, I just, I, I, you know, I equate that that scene, right? Like the, the fake drowning. Like I equate that immediately with the Sandlot. Yeah, I guess it has been a long time since I watched Friday the 13th. And, and yeah, this game Has first. it been forever? For, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? You, you committed... And I'm proud of you. And the other thing, like with the whole like lakeside scene, was when they're pulling Ned ashore. Somebody like throws a life preserver when he's like four inches from the dock. I just thought that was another funny little bit. Yeah, they could have thrown that a little bit quicker. <laughs> yeah, I I had written down uh, quick get Ned now get the canoe now get the life preserver get the submarines get the satellites. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just felt like another airplane movement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instead of actually trying to give him mouth to mouth, they're just like shaking him and slapping him like that woman. In yeah. Someone behind Someone. him had it's like a, a gun in their hand. <laughs> it's like a bad <laughs> chain man. Cthulhu shows up. <laughs> like, Have you summoned me? Um, so uh, they notice like a thunderstorm's approaching. And uh, this is when Steve leaves the campground to go get uh, some supplies and stuff. And, uh, everyone else kind of decides, like, let's play some strip Monopoly. The sexiest of all strip games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can we pass go one, now. We skipped one crucial scene. They are getting everything prepared in the cabins, and there is a snake that they encounter. Oh, I was I was going to get to that, but no, yeah, let's talk about that real and, quick. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that happen? Did that happen after? I thought it did, but I could have uh, I could have miswrote it down. But yeah, let's talk about that real quick before I, I go any further. And do you know what kind of snake it is? Is it a trouser snake? It's <laughs> a bull snake. A bull snake? It's a bull snake, which is Are the th- most common kind of snake in Northeast America. There's also a huh. very disturbing piece of trivia about that snake. I'll let Jarvis talk about it real quick before I mention it. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. Uh, that's a real snake that they killed. Yep, and there's more to it than that. 
Oh, please go. That, go on. That snake was owned by uh, a member of the production crew. And Tom Savini was like, hey, can we borrow your snake for a second? He's like, yeah, sure. And then they killed it. Jesus. <laughs> hey, guys, I got the sandwiches. You guys asked me to go out and get abruptly. <laughs> how's how's my snake, Dylan? How's Rusty the snake? <laughs> how's Rusty? Where they is just, he? Like, they weakened at Barney's them. Just like yeah. moving a little bit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, look at him. It's, it's hanging together by duct tape. It's not even <laughs> black duct tape. And they put like actual sunglasses on. I'm like, look, he's fine. Rusty, let's do our tricks. Uh, Rusty. Uh, uh. Rusty, play dead. Rusty, play dead. It's still good. It's still good. He's still I will good. say, man, <laughs> I love that they, I love that in this movie. Like, it, it really kind of like dates it, right? Like, they killed a real snake for this movie. I, like, immediately I just went, shh, shh. Peter, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I just I was like, did they hire that poor guy on part of the production crew only because he had a snake and they knew the same was going to happen? Do you know anything about uh, production on a movie? No, but I'm trying to learn. Do you own a snake? You know, I just got a snake. He's my best friend. Oh, well, you're hired. You're bring hired. Your, bring your snake. We want to. Yeah, you need to bring your snake. <laughs> it's for morale. That scene of them trying to catch the snake is like watching the Avengers try to save the day. They're like knocking over everything. They're like just breaking all the fucking bits. It was like, they're like we're going to get him. It was like Ash in Evil Dead being thrown into every bookcase and yes. shelf in the room. That's them trying to kill this snake. Very similar. Uh, so as everyone else is uh, getting ready to play some uh, Strip Monopoly, uh, there's a moment where Ned see someone who he doesn't know like into a cabin we don't really see the person we just see kind of like a silhouette and uh he goes and follows him and i'll tell you right now that is the last time we see of ned at least for a moment um we then cut to uh jack and marcy getting into their cabin their bunk bed uh to you know do that camp counselor fornication unbeknownst to them ned is directly (laughs) above them dead (laughs) Sorry, did we talk about the cop who shows up? Oh, no, I missed that, but please go on. Sorry. The way the cop was driving after he talked to him, it just looked like he was just going to keep driving right into the lake. And I don't know if anyone else saw that, but it just, it cracked me up. He just clearly looked like he didn't know. Like they didn't tell this actor like what to do. Like, so do I like, do I drive back down the road? Like, nope, just get in the car and drive. Like, do do, do, do I go in a certain direction? And you imagine he's in there like turning the wheel, just like, fuck, 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 fuck. Well, he almost slips when he's actually like driving the motorcycle. Like, and I know that there's sand there and it's like hard to drive on sand, but like, it was so funny. Just see, he's like, all right, you guys keep it clean. And he just starts driving really fast <laughs> towards the lake. <laughs> the idea that they wouldn't give him any direction is amazing. Like, the, God, I really hope that's what happened. It's <laughs> like, hey, so so where do you want me to exit off? We trust you. Just, just <laughs> do, get on the motorcycle and just ride away and make ride it look away. good. Uh, uh, okay. Just the only direction, not towards the lake. Then just uh, how do I go? You said towards the towards lake, the lake. Right? Got it. Towards the lake. Going towards. <laughs> Heard the lake. it. <laughs> and then I think 
And then we see Ralph later, and he did almost the same thing to me. Like, he rode his bike after he ran out of the pantry for some reason. And mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, he's just going to ride his bike into – everyone's just going into the lake after they – I was really hoping guy. Ralph was just going to, like, ride his bike into the lake. And as he's just going deeper, <laughs> he's just like, it's a death. <laughs> and then Cthulhu comes out. <laughs> God, I think we're writing a better movie right now. So yeah, um, as Jack and Marcy are uh, are doing their thing, unbeknownst to them, there's the dead body of Ned right above them, his throat slit, and doesn't. I mean, luckily Jack and Marcy don't know because they uh, they do their thing. Marcy gets up to go uh, to the bathroom. Jack lights up a joint, and as he's just leaning back, all of a sudden a hand comes out from under the bed, holds his head back, and we see an arrow come right through his throat. Kevin Bacon was given what? What was her name? Marcy. Yes. What, what were both their characters' names? I'm sorry. It was it's just the, Kevin Bacon. It, it was Jack and Marcy. Jack and Marcy. Well, Jack was given Marcy the old like spaghetti pot stir move. You know, like if you watch that, like I don't know that strokes. move. Please, please tell me. He is not. It, it's no in and out motion. It's literally just he's stirring the pot, baby. Oh yeah, he's not doing the soak he's, method. It's it's soaked with motion. <laughs> I, I definitely the... noticed that as well. It's a weird motion that he's doing. It's not. Go sex. ahead, go ahead, Mike. What is he giving her? Like you said, the soak method. Uh huh. Anything else? What's is there anything else? The what'd you say? The spaghetti western special. Is there anything else <laughs> that you might have come up with? Nope. Mike, Jesus Christ, <laughs> say the fucking <laughs> joke. All right, so I'm just going to move on because... Like, I hate you. I hate Dude. you, too. <laughs> honestly, and, but honestly, this scene gave me so much inspiration. And, and Dan, I thought you were going to um, say, like, just gave me a huge boner. And yes. Well, yeah. But, but, but in, bet in between... I was about to say in between my massive erection, but that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, just right in between uh, it. Right in between. <laughs> cut right hey, down the you, middle. I had to cut so it. You know, you know how you guys have like the left side that gets hard and then the right side that gets hard? Yeah. It's like the Twix factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> my dick is left and right Twix. Wait, I, I'm not even going to ask how you do left side then right side. To do the spaghetti pot stir, man. <laughs> okay. That's the, the whole thing. No, I took a page out of Dan's book, and it made me come up with a song. Get a bucket and a mop. That's Kevin Bacon's carotid artery bleeding all over the floor. It's it, it's a working. That was good. Yeah, that was good. It's not. It didn't rhyme. It'll get there. Yeah, early development. It, I think that's called yeah, slam rhyme. Did, if I can, um, if I can critique, uh. It didn't rhyme, and it stopped being a song about halfway through, which was only <laughs> That's two true. words in. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yep. It kind of turned was, to slam poetry, but correct. there it's wasn't a lot of slam. It's more of a statement of words <laughs> than a song. Uh, which is Maybe music, a declarative right? statement more yeah, than it yeah. is right, anything you know, else. Okay, you want me okay. over. That's music. I agree. Right. Listen, dog, I, I think you're going to go through. I think you're going to make it through, dog. All right, dog? <laughs> Absolutely dreadful. The whole, <laughs> all of it, the whole song. It's just not for me, man. It's just not for me. 
from Moon Knight. Um, so yeah, after Jack has the arrow stabbed through his throat and painfully dies, uh, the killer then follows Marcy into the bathroom and just levels an axe into her face. And now she's gone. So at this point, we kind of cut back to uh, every, the rest of the counselors playing their uh, strip Monopoly. And uh, they seem to... Uh, I actually can't remember like what actually causes them to, to stop playing and they're just kind of like done with it. <laughs> Anyone else remember? Somebody landed it was the on storm. Baltic. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, someone the storm. landed on Baltic and then yeah, the <laughs> storm blew the door open. Okay, yeah, that was it. Um, and then Brenda goes back to her room. She jammies up, gets ready to start reading a book and she hears what sounds like a like a little boy calling for help. And she goes out towards the archery range, which uh, earlier uh, we saw her out there where was it uh, Ned kept shooting the arrows at the archery while she was just standing right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like a dick. Like yep. a dick. That is not a practical joke. That is just a random act of violence. Yeah. And when she's out there in the archery range, the lights turns on. And then we kind of just, just kind of fades away from that. We don't really actually see what happens to her, but we know what happens to her. You never Can investigate the creepy voice at the summer camp or anywhere. If you hear like a creepy voice, like calling for help, you don't go look and see what's going on. Did we I don't. Ab- did we talk about how bad Kevin Bacon's death looked? <laughs> like at the initial shot of it was really good. Um and it actually made me like cringe, like, ooh, eek, like, ah. They mean the and longer then, that it panned on him, you notice that his neck is a kind of a different uh, it's shade of his face. different. Yeah. Yep. I was like, oh, that looks really bad. <laughs> I think if they kept it as like a side shot and less on like, an, like a little less time better. on uh, an overhead shot of it, it probably would have looked better. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I Fun agree. trivia. That, uh, that piece of, uh, special effects uh malfunctioned during the shoot they only had supplies enough for one take so the uh the guy who they're the the lead special effects artist literally was blowing out the fake blood underneath the bed uh because the the rig that he set up uh malfunctioned oh wow that's why yeah. tom savini is the man yep and again i think it's still just crazy that he was 26 doing these effects before this movie Speaking of effects, have we talked about what was her name? Not Annie. Uh, Kevin Bacon's girl. Marcy? Yeah. Have we talked about her death? Oh, yeah, I mentioned it, but uh, I paused and see if it wanted to go anywhere, but you didn't no, mention anything. That. Oh, sorry. The axe to the face. Oh, my God. So good. And I think the way they played it off is like how you like you see the axe go up and then you just hear like the sound of the, uh, the axe hit the, the, the lamp in the room. Uh, yep. They use that as just like to to basically signify the sound of it hitting her, and then it just cut to like a a rubber axe that they uh, had cut in half, and like uh, I think they said like mortician glued into her face. So good, probably my favorite kill of the whole movie. Yeah, I, I would say it my two kills would be Jack and Marcy. Absolutely. Yeah, like her her face literally just engulfs the entire axe head. It's oh so fun. She had a really strange dialogue earlier in the film. She talked about having um, what she called a shower dream, which was like she literally used to dream that she it was just raining blood. That that dialogue was definitely about her period, right? Like, I'm not. Am I alone in this? I'm not sure. Did I, was I the only one who caught that? 
Evidently so. I, Moving yeah, forward. I don't remember that. <laughs> yep. All right. No, it, it was it was a throwaway piece of dialogue. Um, and she, I mean, she's an ancillary character, so clearly yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, so again, uh, I'm not sure about this part of my... Per- but is this the point when Steve shows back up after, um, like, Brenda hears the voice, goes up the archer uh, range, and, like, the lights come up? Is this when Steve yeah, he's back? Yeah, he's linked up with the cop car at this point because his car uh, has... Uh, yeah, stopped working. Uh, the cop picked him up. And we also find out during this time while he's in the cop car that Ralph is married. I didn't pick up on that. I wasn't paying attention at that point. Yeah, because they're talking about, yeah, they found Ralph and everything's fine now. And his wife was just happy to have him back home. And I was like kind of talking to my wife at this point because like this boring. It, uh, excuse me. I. Uh, this this movie does get a little boring at, at certain parts. There, there's kind of like some lulls, but I was like mid conversation. And when I heard that, I went, wait, what the fuck? That Ralph guy's married. <laughs> I had to rewind it. <laughs> Ralph is fucking married. I did. Uh, but, but yeah, he's he's married. Yeah. So this is like the point Steve gets uh, like a ride back to the, the camp. And as he's walking up, he just gets like a flashlight shined on him. And it, it it's kind of like that classic trope of. You know, we know who's holding the flashlight. Um, and of course, Steve doesn't say anything like, oh, hey, it's you. What are you doing out here? Camera slowly gets closer and he gets stabbed and cut away at the same Steve. He dies pretty unceremoniously. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so at this point is when uh, Alice and Bill kind of, uh, they're worried about where everyone's gone, so they kind of leave the main cabin to go out and investigate. Uh, this is when they f- they find the axe in Brenda's bed. They find that the phones have been disconnected, and of course Ned's truck isn't working. And so the power goes out, and Bill goes out to check the generator. Uh, and after a while, which I'm... So I, I was going to skip over. I do want to just mention how ridiculous it is. So Bill goes out to check the generator and we just get like a solid what minute, two minutes of Alice just making coffee. It, it's interesting to see how different things are between that time and, and present day. They made of making coffee. What kind of psycho method is that where you, I mean, I know you make coffee that way, but she puts the sugar in the coffee grounds before she adds the water. And that's just like psycho behavior and she deserves to die. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought like no one in the editing room thought that this could go. Like, it's just like, no, no, this is important. We leave this here. This stays in. I said it would be 90 minutes and I'm going to get my whole 90 minutes. (laughs) Coffee preparation is integral to the plot. (laughs) Of course it is. The calmness in that scene is like an absolute testament to like how much noise we've become accustomed to as a society. Even if you don't live in like in in like the heart of a city, like that scene is so quiet. Like imagine living out there like all the time out in the woods. Like there were there was no sound. You're just walking around making coffee. You hear every creak and moan in the house. That's like one of the creepiest things about this movie. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be that calm. Not at all. Uh, so after she's made her coffee, this uh, Alice goes to try and find Bill, and sh- sure enough, she opens the door, and Bill is impaled into the door, arrows all throughout his body. Yeah, you know, Bill was like one of the first people we see that's just com- killed completely off screen. 
Yeah, because I'm well besides besides Ned, because we just see Ned, Ned go into yeah. the cabin after whoever that mystery person is, and next thing you know, we just see that his body's above where Jack and Marcy are doing it. Why wouldn't Ned be the one that was hung to the door with arrows? There was a cut because he's the one who shot the arrow. No, yeah, he was uh, the dick who was shooting the arrows at Brenda. Right, and there, uh, who, who did he shoot the arrow at? It was Brenda. Brenda, thank you. Uh, the, the fact that I don't remember these names only kind of furthers like the final girl plot where all of these characters are complete throwaways and it's just about killing them unceremoniously one by one until you get to the final girl. I had the same um, exact thing. Yeah. Shout out to the final girl. Um, a very well-known podcast, by the way. Um, they do. Uh, she does incredible work and she's furthered the uh, horror podcast genre um, for years and years and years now. So shout out to final girl podcast. But as I was saying that she made a comment, Brenda did like when he shot the arrow. Um, she was like, you know, one day I'm going to stick you up and hang you up with arrows or something. That's that, that's a perfect foreshadowing. And that it's just a throwaway thing. Yeah, but it's a perfect thing for Ned, but it, that doesn't happen. It happens right. to Bill. Yeah. So, uh, only furthering that, that all of these kills are completely randomized and that like their their lives mattered as little as the, like they do in death. So well, maybe they just pick names out of a hat to find out like how this person dies. It's like, oh, well, I get the uh, the arrow death. I get the axe to the face. I think that's how they decided who dies how. Um, they, they pulled poor Rusty the snake's name out of the hat and like, oh, we cut him with the machete. <laughs> oh, it's Rusty this time, guys. Oh. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, if you can go get those sandwiches talked about before. Okay, just leave Rusty. It's fine. Uh, so so now she's back at her or at the cabin that she was at before. Yeah, like right? she uh, she runs back to the the main cabin uh, after she finds uh, Bill uh, pinned into the generator door, and uh, and it, so I feel like the amount of time used of her barricading the door in a very not that panicked manner was also way too long. Anyone notice anything particularly upsetting about the way she's barricading the door? She's just piling random crap in front of the door. Hold on. No, 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 no. So she did one good thing. She she wraps the rope around the pole and then uh-huh. ties it to the handle because the door, from her perspective, pushes out. So if someone pushes were to try outward. to come in, correct. If someone were to come in, they'd be stopped because of that. So then she pushes all the shit in front of the door <laughs> with the door that's going to go outwards, which outward. means that they're just going to open the fucking door. Thank you. Thank and there's just going to be stuff. And the guys, so whoever the murderer is going to be, is going to be like, well, I guess I'll just step over. Oh, man, this, like, oh, <laughs> this is mildly inconvenient. Yeah. No, the rope was a good idea. I was like, oh, wow, it's actually really smart. That's a really good yeah. idea. And then she started putting something like, what are you doing? <laughs> You can't do both I, of these things. I started the clap. I was like, very good. Very good. Stop. Whoa. Nope. Nope. The log. That's what we're doing. <laughs> no, no, not the. Oh, oh, no. There's like a lot of effort okay. for that log. Too. I was watching log her was like <laughs> I was watching her pile things on there and just like imagining a Looney Tunes moment where it's like, you know, Mrs. Voorhees is like handing her things to like pile onto the door. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. They'll never get in. I ah, appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Wait a pass minute. Me the coffee. Pass Can you pass me, me the coffee pot? Pass me the coffee because pot. Because at some point, clearly it was turned off. Yeah, it was. 
See, I don't think I noticed that just because my front and back door both open in. That's fine, but the the point of was when she walked into the scene. I, I know she, what you're saying. She, I'm yeah, saying yeah. I, I didn't notice that like it was like huh. the outward opening door because I'm just so used to how my doors. And this whole time you've been talking about it, I've been trying to remember how my doors <laughs> open without having to get up and check. I have I have a vestibule that has one of each, which is nice and confusing, and then I have a front door that comes in. So like, sure, I guess. So uh, to add more to uh, Alice's trauma after she's uh, barricaded the door, uh, we found out what happened to Brenda as her body is thrown through the window directly in front of her. (laughs) This is a good scene. Well, Jason's really strong, right? You know, the guy with the hockey mask, he's he's huge and he's really strong. So that makes sense that he would be able to throw her through a window, obviously. this wasn't Jason. Oh, yeah. It's his his frail... Elderly mother. His old sweater wearing mother. So how the fuck did she drag the body all the way there? I assume using the ropes because why else would there be ropes all over her body? Mm -hmm. And how did she fling her through the window? She's been doing those like body weight exercises. She's got like big lats and biceps and she's a pretty cut old lady. She's a strange mix, right? Because like you can kind of see that she's she's in good shape, but like how good of shape could she possibly be in? This lady invented CrossFit. She's doing like keto fucking diets in between like training to murder teenagers, <laughs> throwing bodies. Yeah, 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 I can see that. How the fuck strong is Mrs. Voorhees? And so this is when we get kind of like that that eighties montage of like her going through and finding all of the dead bodies in, at once. Right? Yeah. She's finding everyone. Like, she finds Steve's body. You know, Brenda's body's been thrown in. How and why did she go through all this trouble to stage the bodies in that way? Like, is there motive behind that? And how the fuck could she have? I mean, it's kind of the same. I mean, the how is explainable, but it's similar to Michael Myers in the first Halloween. Like, he had several of the bodies just propped up in looking at it now hilarious ways to imagine him doing it just for shits and giggles. Like, uh, like the Steve, like falling down, like hanging from the ceiling. That reminded yeah, me. Yeah. She of, hung uh, Steve up the f- upside fucking down. Mm-hmm. How do you want to send a message? That, <laughs> that doing your, dead. that doing your daily ab crunches really matter. Uh, so, yeah, as we've alluded to and we mentioned before, and most people know who the actual killer is at, at this point, but um, Alice sees a car pull up, and at this point she was thinking it was Steve before we see Steve's body, and that's when she's greeted by uh, Mrs. Voorhees, who she said she's an old friend of Steve and his family. And as she's talking to her, uh, she reveals that it was her son, Jason, was the young boy who drowned in 1957. And she blames his death on the counselors who were supposed to be watching him because they were out uh, having sex. And where she kind of reveals herself as the killer, which. So here's my here's my problem with the fact of Mrs. Voorhees being the killer, not even I mean, the parts of her throwing bodies through a window and hanging them upside down to side. But the fact that this is kind of this whole movie is kind of construed as it's like a basically a whodunit where you're just trying to figure out who the killer is. And in the end, it is someone who is never mentioned. And the only little bit of informa- information 
before this point you get about Jason is just from Enos driving Annie halfway to Camp Crystal Lake where he's like, yeah, boy died in the lake back in 57. And that's it. Yep. You get nothing else about Jason. You have no idea who Mrs. Voorhees is until this point. So the fact that it's kind of put up as this whodunit kind of thing of where the audience is trying to guess who the killer is and then it's revealed like this, you would have no idea. Yeah. No way of figuring that out. And it's not that's where I have my problem, my one big problem with it. Yeah, that's not a big it's not a good like audience inclusion uh, to this whole thing. It's kind of I mean, nowhere near the same, but it's akin to like a Sherlock Holmes thing where it's like you're watching Sherlock and you're like, oh, I could put this together. I'm pretty smart. And then Sherlock's well, the one thing I didn't tell you, because, you know, I'm not a good narrator is I noticed a blood spot on her eyelid, but nobody else did. She only did it. I only saw it when she blinked. And it's like, oh, okay. well, you didn't explain it earlier in the book. How was I supposed to fucking know? Mm -hmm. Same concept. Yeah. Uh, So this point where uh, Mrs. Voorhees is trying to kill Alice and it's a a lot of fighting back and forth between them. One point, Mrs. Voorhees has the the classic machete that we'd soon see in the later movies. And another fun fact of it is that uh, during some of this like fighting that they're doing, uh, like there's a point where uh, Mrs. Voorhees is like holding her and just like slapping the shit out of Alice. Like she was actually slapping her in the face when they were filming it. Oh, that's awesome. That lady beat her fucking ass, dude. Oh yeah, and they didn't use yeah. like stunt doubles or anything for this. So like the uh, this entire like last bit of the movie of them fighting is actually them like basically beating the shit out of each other. See, legit, so, like, the day an old woman beats my ass like that is the day I deserve it. <laughs> so every day, yeah, I think you'd be the type that you would enjoy it too much. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I had the the problem I had with this last little bit of these scenes was that it was a uh, constant. It was constantly the same scene over and over again of like a rock paper scissors, except it was like a uh, wooden pole versus metal stick versus uh, whatever frying the third pan? option is. A frying pan, yeah, it, it's <laughs> frying pan always wins. Um, but yeah, it, it was always like. They, they could have just done it once and had any others, but it was always the same scene and it, but it just bothered me. I, I know it wasn't like a lot of money used in this movie, but like it was just a little boring at that point. I was like, oh, cool. She knocked her out. Maybe she can get away. No, no, she didn't get away. All right. Well, oh, well, she knocked her out again. Maybe she'll get away. Nope. Didn't really get that far, actually. Ooh, third time. She's kind of bleeding there. Do you think she's nope? She's really not getting away. She's still <laughs> uh, It's kind of wild. I couldn't get over the the grandma sweater that she was wearing this whole oh, time. Oh my goodness! Just because I, I it's like <laughs> you can't take her as like a dangerous figure when she just like looks like somebody's grandma. I had a great idea for a TikTok. If we had a, a horror horrible friends TikTok, uh, the scene where it's you're in the first person being confronted by the by by Mrs. Voorhees. And she's coming at her. And so she's like, uh, the, the main character's throwing uh, stuff at her. She's, she starts off by throwing like a piece of wood. And then she throws like a rope or something like that. It's just us progressively getting larger and larger objects until, <laughs> <laughs> until it's like, you know, a computer or like a, a desk. And then the grandma just like pushes it off. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Where do I sign up? Uh, th- I think TikTok.com. Nope. That's an answer. We'll do it. All right. <laughs> and the other thing too is like I got 
It was kind of unsettling when you have uh, Mrs. Voorhees like talking to herself and answering in the Jason like kid voice. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And there's a yeah, kind of it shows how like she's clearly lost her mind a long time ago, and she can't get yeah. over the death of her son, and she doesn't know who to blame. Yeah. Uh, so they fight for quite a while um, as Alex kind of gets towards one of the canoes. Uh, this is where he comes towards her with the machete. Uh, but Alice is able to uh, get the upper hand on her, gets the machete, and cuts her head off. At this point, Alice is just exhausted, and she gets in one of the canoes, and she kind of just falls asleep in it, and it's now daylight. She's in the canoe out in the water. We see a police car pull up. Two cops get out of it. And as she's just sitting there, floating in the water, all of a sudden, we see the decomposing corpse of Jason come out of the water, grab her, pull her under the water, and we feel like this is the end. And all of a sudden, she wakes up in a hospital. And she's surrounded by the police sergeant and different medical staff. And she asks about Jason. And they're like, no, there was no sign of Eddie Bore in that water. And just makes you, it's that, just that trope of like, was it real? Was it not real? What really happened? End credits. Yeah, they never they never confirmed whether they found her in a canoe or literally in the water. Yep, they like say that, in the water. But that that, feel, that really mean... could have answered the question for her. Like, it's like, was I in the water or in the canoe? You were there, yes. right? <laughs> like, what? Right. Which one was yes. I in? Uh, fun fact yeah, about it, that, though, uh, the thing with Jason wasn't actually in the original script. That was a suggestion by uh, Tom Savini towards the end. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was uh, like in Miller's final draft, like it just ended with Alice floating on the lake, and uh, Savini suggested it. And his he stated like he stated quote um, the whole reason for the cliffhanger at the end was I had just seen Carrie, so we thought that we need a chair jumper like that, and I said let's bring in Jason. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I mean, no, there's no question it was a super iconic ending. Um. Uh, unpopular opinion. I'm, I'm not a fan. I think it, I think it was cheap. It did kind of elevate what they would eventually do with the series, and I mean, because they they cranked them out after this. There was, oh yeah, I think they had like what, the next three movies came out in this, at least yeah. the next like four or five years. The next four years yeah. or the next three movies. Yeah, yeah I think it was so, like almost a movie and, a year at that point. Yeah, they cranked them out, so it definitely gave them direction. Yeah. Right, so I think overall the feedback was good. And they went forward with that. But the Jason that we know and love really doesn't come into play until the third um, installment of the series. Yeah, we don't actually get Hockey Mask Jason until uh, part three. But even if you don't if you don't tease the uh, fact that the boy is still alive under the water all these years later, like where do you go from there if you want to build off this movie? And obviously you wouldn't know how much how popular this franchise will become, but it's like, okay, well the mother who's so distraught over her son's death all these years, she's been like killing kids at this camp and then she died and the end, you have nowhere to really go from there after the fact. And I can see it as a way like they kind of probably agreed to do it just in case of, well, what if this does end up being successful and we want to kind of keep going off of it. We can use that as something to then, you know, as a jumping off point and to continue it there. Yeah. I mean, you could see why they would do it. That 
and the fact they went so fast though I, I didn't realize it was one every year effectively i mean it apparently it's a cheap movie to film <laughs> yeah so because it's, it's all like one location small cast mm-hmm. and then quick and easy to pump out and real snakes real snakes, real snakes. you don't gotta worry about these robotronic snakes that you know give you trouble and yeah i mean that's why they've been so many of them and this first one if you if you if you say to somebody have you ever seen friday the 13th like you immediately think of jason Voorhees. And this first movie, it's it's recognizable as part of the franchise because it's set in the camp with the counselors. But other than that, the killer's unrecognizable. It's not even the same movie. And by the end, Jason becomes some sort of like supernatural, unkillable astronaut figure because he does go to space. He takes Manhattan too. Yep. So, so been, I think that's the eighth around. installment. So, um, can you guys guess exactly how long it was until part two came out? It, it, it dropped in 1981. Yeah, but it, so it actually came out less than a year. Hmm. Was it on really? Friday, Friday the 13th came out May 9th, 1980. Part two was out April 30th, 1981. So less than a full calendar year. The next movie was out. Wow. wow. They could have waited two weeks and had it come out on Friday the 13th. But they, they were motivated. Did. Uh, it looks like they the they only had uh, there's a few that came out on actual third. Uh, I think at least looks like at least four or five came out on actual thirteenth. So of their nine movies, four or five actually came out on the thirteenth. Huh. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good run. Yeah. So, are we uh we good to move on? We can keep chatting in a sec. Oh, no, I'm good. Love it. Thank you, Chris. Um, let's well. go ahead and move over to special effects and cinematography. Uh, does this movie? It's it's genre defining, right? It yeah, it's, absolutely, no question. With all of its shots, everything it does. Uh, I did. I, I picked up on a couple pieces of lighting during during this thing, and it was it was interesting. I, I don't know if I liked it actually. There was a scene where she comes in uh, from the dark with her lantern. And obviously she's got a lantern and then as she steps in the door they kind of like dim the lights up as though the I, it, it seemed odd to me but beyond that um I, I think everything else was uh shot exactly as we are come to expect these slasher type films I, and again yeah the first person found footagey kind of thing it was it, it was good to see it and it's like og form i guess it improved uh throughout the movie if you recall the first mm-hmm scene with Annie walking through town uh the, the camera some strange choices stylistically right just yes. kind of following yes. her, the camera's moving a lot um then it like you know they, they do like a steady cam like watching behind the dog for like 30 full seconds letting Annie get closer it's yeah inconsistent yeah, uh, and when when you go try to line up those shots if you go to Blairstown uh as you mentioned it's kind of weird it's really hard I've I've had a couple uh, family members or whatever go go out to that area and and recreate like some of the shots from the opening. Oh, very. And cool. uh, yeah, I mean, it it seems like oh man, that should be relatively easy. It's not because they are really weird. They're they're really shot weird and like from too far, too close, too. It, it is a little off putting when you actually go there. Um, and also some of the buildings have changed over time, but really not much. Honestly, you can go recreate most of the shots there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think the special effects were fine. 
Uh, it was a low budget 80, like late 70s. It came out in 80, so like that era slasher movie. Mm-hmm. So they worked with the, what they had. Every effect is a practical effect. There was no like CGI or anything like that at the time. I think they did a really good job like portraying stuff. The only thing I thought was kind of like off-putting was how unceremoniously like Mrs. Voorhees got beheaded because they were in the middle of a fight and all of a sudden it's like, oh, her head's gone and she's dead. But it was, a good, it was a good effect, like just the stomp and the blood and spurting out. That was good, though. Yeah. If the Phillies had a batter like that in their bullpen, you know, they'd, they'd do it. <laughs> if they had a batter in the, in bullpen? the bullpen, I don't uh-huh. know anything about baseball. Is if, that the right? ba- if the batter was where the pitcher is, I, I uh-huh. baseball is the worst sport ever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on that one. <laughs> oh God, um, dude, your head's about to fucking tumble like Mrs. Voorhees. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think that that scene was hilarious it wasn't it shouldn't have been hilarious and i think they were going for something else but uh no they they had to have gone for hilarious because they they chop her head off and then her hands are in front of her like but where's my head my head's gone (laughs) (laughs) like like a a headless horseman style like where did it go oh no (laughs) yeah yeah that's exactly Um, what happened and it was kind of uh yeah it, it was it wasn't bad. I, w- I wasn't like, wow, that's stupidly fake. I was like, you know, it's not the worst. They could have done worse. And there has been. So, yeah, I think the special effects for, for the least amount of money they spent, they did a good job. And, and the special effects man was, yeah, he the best <laughs> for what he got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tom Zavini is a pretty fantastic effects artist. Uh, sound. I mean, this whole movie is just a lot of breathing. Just yeah, a ton of it. <sighs> um, Iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, obviously. Obvious. I mean, you can't it, beat it. That that sound haunted me as a child, like often enough. Like I did. I don't. I didn't even watch the movie. I just know I heard it, and then my parents were like, "No, you can't watch this." And I was like, "Oh, that must mean it's scary." And then it just—that's all I heard forever. You know. But uh, beyond that, yeah, I don't know. it was a lot of squealing, high, high uh violin sounds and whatever else. So just typical stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I you know we say typical, but really this this definitely had a hand in defining kind of what what all future sounds of you know the the quick scares and horror movies would be. Um, so it's not the first to do it. Um. And I don't think it was the best that ever did it, but I mean, you can't argue, you know, how iconic it was and how necessary it was toward the genre. Yes. And it definitely got better over the the course of the films. Although like, Oh God, no question. They did. I mean, they did start to lose it when, you know, Jason's in Manhattan, Jason's in space. That's when it's like, okay, stop, please. I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of like a at that point, it, it's a bastardization of, of the original films. But I kind of appreciate the hustle that is. Let's just kind of let's try to make more money, I guess. I mean, when you have From, like your of your nine movies and your fourth one is called the final chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's basically That's just, fair. but wait, there's more. 
He went to space. <laughs> He's going to space. Um, cool. Um, if we're done here, then I would like to introduce us to the spoopy meter section. Dan, what do you got for the spoopy meter? So, uh, for this week, for Friday the 13th, um, we want to pay a little bit of tribute to the uh, bull snake that died on the set. So, little fun fact, uh, in addition to what I already told you guys earlier, is that bull snakes can lay between, uh, up to, rather, 22 eggs. So, guys, 0 to 22, uh, how many eggs would you lay for this movie? <laughs> uh, great. Um, yeah, uh, a spoopy, I, I can't say this movie scared me. I'm, I'm. I, I just can't. It, it really didn't. There there wasn't there's not a lot to it that's still scary anymore. I mean, it's been overplayed at this point, I guess. But it it was I'm, I'm giving it um, I'll lay an egg in this trying time. Um, but yeah, I, I think I will have uh, for overall. I didn't hate watching this movie, even though it is overplayed. It was nice. It's been a, I don't know if I ever actually watched the whole thing or it's been a very, very long time, but it all seemed kind of fresh to me and it was nice to see the, the origins again. So I appreciated watching it. I would lay another 15 eggs because, you know, uh, the, the faults are there. But I think that as a movie, it's it's still watchable. I still think it holds up pretty well. It's a little boring, as we said, at times a little dry. That two minute coffee scene's a little rough. But otherwise, I, I had a I had a good time watching it. I think you hit the nail on the head, Kyle. There are highs and there are lows in the movie. Um, overall, it, it is it is fun to watch. It's kind of fun to go back to the roots. Like I said, this is this is one of the Mount Rushmore heads, I would say, for the horror genre. So definitely iconic, no question in that. Um, Spoop, probably not there um, because this is not 1980. In 1980, this would be absolutely, absolutely terrifying. Um, no question. Uh, I wouldn't say it. It is held up uh, over the years in terms of what is scary, but um, definitely fun to watch. Uh, definitely still a great movie. There are there are some low points um, in that it, it, it does get slow. But aside from that, yeah, solid 15 out of 22. Uh, iconic and it is worth the watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, to an extent, it's been a while since I'd seen it, and um, I do like what it created and the entire series we got out of it uh, in the end. Spoopy wise, for this one, I know I wasn't really scared. I really, I mean, a lot of the kills were solid. I mean, some of the parts, like as we talked about with Kevin Bacon's death, if they had changed the scene and maybe not focused over the overhead shot and kind of seen that it was completely different. Um, but I liked a lot of the effects. A lot of the kills were solid, even though some of them were just off screen and didn't really work out well, but I didn't hate it. Um, so spoop wise, I'll give it a, I don't know. I can't remember the, the, the rating of eggs, Dan, one more time, please. Uh, zero to 22. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so spoop wise, I'll give it. I'll give it like nine eggs. I'll lay nine snake eggs for this. Um, but as overall, and for, again, what I said, what this movie 
created and the series we got and the iconic horror character we got from it. I'm going to give it like a, a solid 16 and a half. 16 and a half snake eggs. Okay, uh, I like this movie. I mean, it really did like, jumpstart that horror franchise for Friday the 13th. Uh, like what Jarvis said, spoopy-wise, if you look at the context of the time, it was a lot scarier because just the unknowing thing coming at you. But in retrospect, like if you watch it now, you do see really like the cheesiness of it because it's about forty years later. So you do see that like datedness to how the movie was shot and gone through. But overall, out of twenty-two, I would give it about eight or nine because it did still have those like ominous moments of the force coming at you the whole time. Overall, as a movie, I would give it about fifteen because I didn't do enjoy the movie. And it does kick off that franchise, like I said. But uh, just to wrap it up, I wanted to give a little bit of funny things I found out about this movie. So I want you to stop me when you think I'm making things up. So we had Ari Lerman, who was the kid who played Jason in that little like jump off like on the boat at the end. Uh, he was technically the first person to ever play Jason. Uh he was the only movie he was in from the franchise. He wasn't in any other ones besides like archival footage of a flashback. In 2004, he formed a punk metal band that he entitled First Jason. He had his first album called Jason is Watching You. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's Ari Lerman's claim to fame is being... In about three seconds of Friday, the original Friday the 13th, and he's still writing that till today. I would. <laughs> I don't think I'd like name my band the first Jason on a technicality. <laughs> I absolutely would. It it's all it was like it's actually believable because I would. Unfortunately, I, I wouldn't <laughs> name my band. I'm like, oh, well, that would just be like a side story. You tell somebody at a bar. Like, yeah, do you know it was like the original Jason in the first Friday the 13th movie? You'd really know that, if you heard my band first, Jason. And the guy next to <laughs> you was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Then you don't continue the story. Like, yeah, here's my CD. It's the, the band first, Jason. <laughs> the first album is like, Jason's watching. I like it. I think it's, I, I think I like it was all it reasonable. So yes, in terms of spoopy, I uh, it's not scary. It gets a zero. It's just not scary at all. Um, in terms of overall, um, it's it's not great. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not really ashamed to say I didn't really care for the movie at all. I I thought it was kind of corny. It's kind of uh, it was really cheesy, and the acting was piss poor and. Story wasn't good. Even the deaths weren't that great. I guess in 1980 it was good. Like, I mean, yeah, I, it can have credit for that. But, like, in today's standards, like, this was honestly the first time I ever watched it all the way through. So, like, I mean, I guess I don't really have a nostalgia look for it. So, if you do, then I guess it could be better. But, like, as someone who's watching it for the first time, like, I, I it just seemed chaotically stupid. Like, we 
someone dies and then a couple arbitrary things happen and then someone else dies and then arbitrary things happen and it just wasn't interesting and yeah, I don't know it, it wasn't it wasn't that great so I I guess um and there there's horror movies that have done it before it that have been better like we watched Black Christmas like that in my opinion that was a far superior movie and that holds up to today's standards um so I I don't know if The Shining came out the same year as this. Um I I, I don't know. It, it wasn't it wasn't that great. So I'll give it like 12 eggs. I'll put it I'll give it 11. I'll give it solid which would be like 5 out of 10 if you if you want to do the math on that. So I'll give it like a solid right in the middle and that that's all it's getting for me. <laughs> Thanks for that math. Yeah, that that, that tracks. That math tracks. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, um yeah, I, I I agree. Uh, I gave it what I gave it. We all gave it what we gave it. The movie gave it what it was. There was a slap fight. You should just watch the slap fight. If you can watch that yeah, scene, that's, that's good. <laughs> um, beyond that, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Um, I, I do want to go ahead and thank our, you know, our artiste, Connor McLeod. Uh, I want to thank our musician, Andrew Cavanaugh. And I want to go ahead and thank Travis Kaiser for doing all the editing and whatnot. You can see all of their links in the description. You can find all, all of our stuff. Reach out to us. Say hi to us on this. Hopefully, you know, you're in the mood for Friday the 13th as we're recording on the Friday the 13th. Remember, it's we're all connected here. Uh, otherwise, Chris, let's go ahead and round things out. Uh, what do you have to say to your camp counselor? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. I don't know. I, I don't know what's offensive. I bacon mean, mater. That's <laughs> it's offensive against bacon people. <laughs>